Welcome to another episode of Inside the Law. My name is Mark Gavigan. Our topic is the alleged sexual battery of a reporter, Alex Bozargian, on live television. Our guest is attorney Boone Phillips, partner in the Savannah-based law firm Phillips, Carson & Phillips. Boone is a second-generation lawyer, graduate of the University of Alabama, and the Mississippi College School of Law. After a clerkship, Boone joined the Chatham County District Attorney's Office and rose quickly to become one of the county's youngest ever felony prosecutors. After four years, Boone took his wealth of experience to Phillips, Carson & Phillips as their lead criminal trial attorney. Boone, I cannot think of a better situated person than you to shed light on these events. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'd like to start off by just doing a quick timeline of the events to set the stage for our discussion. On Saturday, December 7th, 23-year-old television reporter for NBC's Savannah affiliate, WSAV, Alex Bozargian, was on live television covering Savannah's bridge run race when runner Tommy Calloway allegedly whacked her buttocks as he ran past. Just prior to the incident, Ms. Bozargian laughed good-naturedly as a runner gestured wildly in a gorilla costume. A few seconds later, when Mr. Calloway made contact with Ms. Bozargian, she was stunned, visibly upset, and in disbelief. This was all captured on live television, and the internet video went viral and has been viewed more than 12 million times. Even though he was wearing dark sunglasses, video viewers were able to identify Mr. Calloway through other images of him and his race bib number. Three days later, on December 10th, Ms. Bozargian appeared on CBS This Morning national television program, which read a statement from Mr. Calloway's attorney saying, they regret the situation, but he did not act with any criminal intentions. Around that same time, Mr. Calloway participated in a filmed interview with WSAV Television's Joanne Merrick. On Friday, December 13th, Mr. Calloway was charged with misdemeanor sexual battery. He turned himself into detectives, was booked at the Chatham County Jail, and released on $1,300 bonds. Boone, a few years ago, you might have been responsible for prosecuting this case. Today, as a criminal defense attorney, you might have been working on his defense. Looking at that video of Mr. Calloway's contact with Ms. Bozargian, what would a prosecutor see and think? Well, Mark, uh, certainly the optics aren't, aren't great. You know, it's disappointing to see something like this. As a prosecutor, you represent the state of Georgia and the victims in Georgia. And so what you're looking for is evidence of a crime occurring. And there's two types of evidence. There's direct evidence and there's circumstantial evidence. And I think direct evidence in this case would be actually witnessing the event occur. That clearly is not seen on the video. However, there, there are some circumstances. The second type of evidence is circumstantial evidence, but the circumstances show that she was, was clearly struck by somebody in a place where she did not feel that it was appropriate to be touched. So although you don't see the individual actually hitting her, it's pretty clear that she was touched in a place where she didn't want to be touched, uh, in an intimate part. And what you're looking for as a prosecutor is evidence of the individual touching another person in an intimate part, and a butt being an intimate part as defined by law. So what you're looking for is evidence to support that charge, to support the elements of sexual battery from a prosecution standpoint. Certainly the video provides a lot of evidence for that. Is the misdemeanor sexual battery charge the correct charge? Well, the alternative being uh, an aggravated sexual battery charge. An aggravated sexual battery is when someone actually penetrates another individual. In this case, there's no allegation that he penetrated her in any sort of way. So 
in my opinion, I believe the misdemeanor sexual battery is appropriate for the allegations that the defendant grabbed her butt or made contact with her butt. Yeah, I believe that's an appropriate charge. What is the difference between a felony and a misdemeanor? A misdemeanor is punishable by up to 12 months of incarceration and a $1,000 fine. This particular charge is actually a high and aggravated misdemeanor, which means in some cases the fine can be more. It affects the amount of time you would actually serve incarcerated. Uh, if it was a regular misdemeanor, you'd get good behavior time. You get two-for-one credit at the local jail, whereas a high and aggravated, you don't get all those benefits. You don't get out early or on parole, per se. A felony is punishable by up to life in prison. The minimum punishment on a felony is one year. So misdemeanors are less serious offenses. Felonies are typically more serious offenses. If Mr. Calloway had whacked her on her backside with a paperback book instead of his bare hand, or she weren't an attractive young woman, or he'd in fact made contact with her back or shoulder instead of her buttocks, would it still be sexual battery? The state of Georgia, under the official code of Georgia, 16-6-22.1, defines sexual battery as whenever someone intentionally makes physical contact with an intimate part of the body of another person without their consent. So it doesn't matter what he used, his, his hand, a belt, uh, you know, a book, a bag. It, it doesn't matter what the victim looked like. Uh, you know, all that matters, victim's butt was, was touched, and she didn't want it to be touched. And the person that did it did it with intent. So in my opinion, based on those scenarios you just gave me, person's guilty if he does those things. As a prosecutor, and I suppose as a judge and a jury, people have to somehow trust their instincts and be able to, to some degree, see into another person's heart. Do you think less experienced people in these roles have trouble doing that and seeing what somebody is truly thinking or intending? In the court of law, you're looking at the evidence in front of you, and what you have to determine from the evidence in front of you is did that person have the intent to do the act? It doesn't matter if he, he meant to do it as a joke. It doesn't matter if he meant to do it because he thought she'd like it or if he, he meant to offend her. The, the only inquiry is did he have her permission? Did he have the consent of that person? The jury would have to determine that he intentionally made contact with her butt, and that's all they need to concern themselves with. They should not consider sympathy. They they should not deliberate considering, you know, that this guy has kids or that the victim is a, a reporter or anything about their personal lives. The only inquiry in a court of law is did he intentionally do this and did he have her consent? And if the uh, prosecution satisfies those elements, then the judge will instruct the jury that they are authorized to convict. It strikes me as being difficult at times to separate how I feel about somebody from the actions that they're being accused of. How do you go about separating how you might feel about somebody from the job you have to do? I try to keep my emotions out of my representation and my decision-making. Whether or not I like the person does not matter. My job is to be loyal to my client. I've got a duty of loyalty to my client that I have to abide by, and I have to do the best I can to separate my personal feelings from my professional responsibility to my client. For instance, dog cases to me are pretty difficult. Animal cruelty cases where someone locks their dog in the, in the vehicle on the hottest day of the summer. 
I'm a dog lover. And I don't typically appreciate the recklessness of individuals who walk their dogs in cars, but I can't get involved with that. My, my job is not to judge my clients. My job is to protect the rights of my clients. And so feelings shouldn't be involved one way or the other as an attorney for somebody. Boone, given all the publicity, how do you think a prosecutor would view the prospect of Mr. Kellaway pleading guilty to lesser charges? That's really going to be the decision that the district attorney has to make, whether or not she'll allow him to plead to something like simple battery versus sexual battery. I don't know much about this individual, but in the state of Georgia, everybody has the right to a free bite at the apple, per se. It's called the First Offenders Act. You can plead guilty to a charge, and if you successfully complete a sentence, it won't be a conviction. In this particular case, the defendant, by all accounts, is a reputable individual. I imagine he probably doesn't have any criminal history, so he's going to be allowed to enter any kind of plea, as would any citizen in the state of Georgia, where if he completes the sentence successfully, he doesn't have a conviction. So at the end of the day, if he gets an offer to plead to something lesser, certainly I'm sure his attorney would encourage him to do so as as a prosecutor. It's your job to prosecute the cases that you can prove. If you can prove that he grabbed her butt, then it should be prosecuted as a sexual battery. If they can't prove that her butt was grabbed, there's issues with the evidence. Or if she says something to the effect of, well, it was kind of my upper back. It wasn't really my intimate part of my, my, my buttocks. Certainly there would be some leverage from the defense standpoint. But charging decisions are made by the district attorney's office, and they have the sole decision as to what offers to make and, and what charges to proceed on. Well, you're not involved in this case. But let's imagine we could go back to an hour after Mr. Callaway allegedly whacked Ms. Bozarjian's buttocks, and he called you for advice. What would you have told him? Mr. Callaway called me and asked me for advice. Without knowing anything about the case, without knowing what he did or, or having seen what happened or seen the allegations, my initial reaction would be to, to not make any statements to anybody, uh, to not contact the authorities, to not speak with police. Um, you know, because anything that he says to anybody, uh, could be used against him. If he were, if he realized immediately what he had done and he had an instinct to turn around and I'm so sorry, as a legal professional giving advice, your advice is don't do that. Is that right? Well, not necessarily. If it's spontaneous with the incident, if, if it was an accidental you know, touching, then absolutely he needs to turn around and say, you know, oh my God, I did not mean to do that. I am so sorry. But the way that I believe the question was posed to me is, what would your advice be You know, if he called you after the event? And if it's after the race and it's all over the news and it's all over social media, at that point, it would be my opinion, I guess, based on the amount of time that's elapsed, you know, don't say anything. Sometime around December 10th, about three days after the incident, Mr. Calway was interviewed on film by Joanne Merrigan, a reporter with Ms. Bozarjian's station, NBC Savannah affiliate WSAV. From a public relations perspective, helping his friends and family and the community see his seemingly sincere apology and version of events may have made sense, but from a legal perspective, what would you have told him? It depends on what his defense is. If his defense is, I didn't mean to, it was an accident, that's a legal defense. And if he wants to take that position and go on TV and apologize, certainly, you know, I don't think that that would be detrimental to his case. If he went on camera, and I didn't see this, and I haven't watched the video, but if he went on camera and said, yes, I did it, I shouldn't have done it, I'm sorry, you're basically sealing your fate because you're admitting that you did it. 
and you're admitting intent. If he went on camera and says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, it was an accident, I was tired, I, I just, you know, I kind of stumbled at the end there, I apologize. You still have that defense of it was an accident. Typically, I'm not a fan of speaking with media about cases that are that are pending because it just brings more press into the picture. And when you have more press, the DA's office is going to look at the case, uh, and they're going to take a harder stance because they know people are watching. Typically, I believe that we should try to stay out of the spotlight and, and not make any sort of statements, but that's a call that his attorney has to make. How it plays out, you know, we'll be seeing, I guess, in the future when he has his day in court. If it was an accident, if he went on TV and said it was an accident, you know, maybe that'll work out favorably for him. Last question. I've read that Ms. Bozargian filed a police report, which ultimately led to charges being filed. If she had not actively filed charges, what else might have happened that could have led to charges being filed? There's two ways to go about it. You can file charges as a citizen against another citizen in magistrate court. However, I imagine a detective picked this case up being that it was on TV. So if a detective observes a crime or any law enforcement observes a crime take place, uh, you know, they have the authority to make an arrest, being that this was on TV, you know, multiple law enforcement officers saw this occur. Uh, it just takes one officer to, uh, you know, initiate a criminal complaint, to take out a warrant and have him arrested. Alternatively, the, the district attorney's office could have taken the case before a grand jury and, and indicted him. There's several ways to initiate the legal process. She taking out a police report or, you know, taking the case to magistrate court or a detective taking out warrants, I believe, are probably going to be the most common ways to initiate a criminal action in this matter. Boone Phillips, thank you so much for your insight and expertise. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Contact Boone at Phillips, Carson, and Phillips. B-P-L-A-W-S-A-V-G-A dot com. B-P-L-A-W-S-A-V-G-A dot com. Or by telephone at 912-232-0081. Boom, thanks so very much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm Mark Gavigan. Thanks for listening to Inside the Law.